0: After Truth? I'm more of a chaser, already. In free sparring, we learn to employ the principle of maximum efficiency, even when we could easily overpower our opponent. Welcome to Chaser After Truth, a Quidditch podcast about life and a life podcast about Quidditch. I'm your host, Alejo Enriquez. I've done episodes so far on chasing and on beating and Kind of keeping is sort of the same as chasing. And I I really want to do seeking, but what's interesting to me is that really it's not, you can't really talk too much about seeking without also talking about snitching. Really, when I think about it, I think that there's not four positions in Quidditch, there's five. Well, I mean, maybe there's 20 depending on how you want to slice it, but the keeper and the chaser are playing the quaffle game, the beaters are playing the bludger game, the dodgeballs game. And then the seeker is playing the snitch game. And sure, when you're playing a game, you don't have a snitch out there. Although, <laughs> there are, for those of you who are maybe new to Quidditch and didn't hear about this a few years ago, they actually test drove a different version of Quidditch where each team had to supply a snitch to the other to like that the other team seeker had to try and pull. Um, so, so in that version, the snitch is a, a fifth position you need to field a player for. Uh, But normally when you're playing a regular game, you've got your players divided into your four positions, keepers, chaser, beater, seeker. You're not supplying a sitch. But to make a tournament run effectively, you really need a a surplus of of qualified snitches. If you have a limited number of people who can snitch, especially if they're playing snitch, they're also playing, they're on a team, you really can can create problems like if if your one good player on your team is also your team's only snitch, and they go and they roll their ankle, and now you're in trouble. Uh, you know, of course, it helps to have dedicated snitches. A lot of uh, some tournaments have dedicated snitches. If you ever uh, manage to recruit a dedicated snitch, those are very valuable people to have. You want at least one at a tournament, but uh, but your team should also be prepared to supply a snitch and. One thing that really helps your team is to have your players learn to snitch. And and, and there's maybe more than one way to snitch. And so, you know, you can can get at least a little bit into that with your different players to have them learn to snitch in different ways. Um, But if you're not putting players out there who are able to snitch, first of all, you're now hurting the tournament because you're limited in how many snitches you can provide. But also... One of the better seekers, I did the How to Play Quidditch podcast, I interviewed Matt Blair, who is a great seeker. One of the reasons he's a great seeker is because his team, when he played on Baylor, had great snitches. He, had, he actually learned how to seek against Gabe Garces, who was also learning how to snitch. So you should have multiple you know, uh, players on your team who it's like, okay, you need to learn how to snitch, first of all, because it's good for the sport. Second of all, it's good exercise for you. It gives you, an, and then also if you ever want to seek, you should learn how to snitch so that you get an idea of what does and doesn't work on you as a snitch. Uh, but then also, yeah, it'll you know if your team has multiple good snitches, then you're like, okay, well now it's your turn to snitch. so Let's put some seekers out there, give them some reps because if your seekers are not getting live reps against a snitch, their first live reps against a snitch are going to be in the tournament. You're going to have a bad time. They they're not gonna. It's rare that a, a young, new seeker gets snitch pulls. It it's often takes a lot of, especially now, it takes a lot of experience to get good, clean snitch pulls nowadays. So of course, the, the snitch could also make a mistake. And, and that's the other thing. Your snitches should also get a lot of practice so that the first time they're snitching is not in a tournament, maybe with stakes, and then you get like totally like blown away and pulled real quick. And it's like, oh boy, some team's mad at me because I didn't do a good job or whatever. Um, which also, by the way, going back to my, uh, podcast episode on, um, the tragedy of the commons and refereeing, don't get mad at the snitch. They're doing their best. I mean, if they, unless they're not doing their best, if they actually are biased against you, like that sucks. And you probably should be mad at them for that. But like, you know, if you are in a close game and you're, or if you're losing and you just need that snitch to last a little while, then they don't last that's not your fault don't be losing if you're gonna be all competitive about it uh, you know because you yell at that snitch now they mean they don't snitch next time and then you've hurt the, the tournament and maybe the entire sport so you know that's just one more example of where you can take an opportunity to swallow your anger and and uh, and, and but but getting back on track this is a way to avoid having that happen is to have some practice snitching at your practices and then this also goes back to my uh, the same episode tragedy of the commons people often don't take the time to have their players practice snitching because they want their players to practice their main position beating or chasing or whatever else to do and say no no no, we need to get better at this uh we'll figure that other part out later um you know and that's a, a poor allocation of resource and, and yes it's totally fair that you have a limited number of practice hours pra- uh, practice time practice energy is limited that's that's totally fair but you have to spend that wisely. You can't spend it all on one thing. You can't fixate on one aspect of the game. You're gonna have to put some players out there and get some get some stitching practice. Now, one of the basic things you can do, and here's kind of a, a, a thought. This is not the drill of the week yet, of course, but here's a thought that you can kind of give your whole team uh, some introductory work with snitching, just so that you're not signaling, it's okay, you and you are going to learn how to snitch, everyone else go do something else. I mean, you could do that too, but what you probably want to do is get everyone all to you know, everyone all together uh, spaced out facing the same direction and just practice the basic footwork and handwork of snitching like everyone all together just so we kind of all are on the same page everyone kind of starts to learn a little bit and it's a good exercise so here's the thing that probably will help and there's another reason why i'm suggesting this you can help everyone with your game not just with your snitching game and but even your seeking chasing and beating game by getting people to get used to moving with bent knees and, and when I say what, what I mean by that is that actively, for example, if you're standing up straight and then from standing you need to start running, it's harder than if your knees are kind of already bent. You've already And obviously if you think about a runner's starting stance where they're like all the way bent or like in their blocks, like, you know, uh, that's kind of the extreme example, but you're, you're guaranteed to go one direction. If you're gonna, you don't know which way direction you're gonna go in, you don't want to be all the way on your blocks, but you definitely still benefit from having your knees kind of bent. And this is one thing that comes from from Shotokan Karate that uh, that we do. What well, the way we move is where knees are all the way bent. We're kind of as low to the ground as we can, but our back is straight. So if you can get everyone to have a back straight back, not hunching over, straight back, but bend your knees and then kind of shuffle forward and back, left and right. Maybe like mirroring the, the coach, like, okay, shuffle the left, shuffle the right, shuffle back, right? And just that by itself is good leg strengthening, leg conditioning, and then it also helps develop the footwork for what you need to in order to be a good seeker. And then also to be a good chaser and beater, you want to be able to live in a space where your your legs are strong enough that they can bear more of your weight. Because when you're standing straight, like your legs are straight, What's going on is that most of your weight is being carried by your bones. The bones are actually supporting your weight directly in a straight down, and, which is great for resting, but it's not good for launching you and moving around. So when you bend your knees and then keep them bent, you're bearing more weight with your muscles, especially your quadriceps, which are the, the big thigh muscles on the front of your, your legs, the front of your thighs, those are your quads. And they get stronger by bearing your weight that way. And this is actually a big part of karate is that we bend our legs all as much as we can and then we step while staying low, keeping your head at the same level. You don't have to go to that extreme, but a little bit of that gives your legs, it helps build your leg strength. It helps build your balance. It helps you kind of be ready to move in any direction because to snitch effectively, you can do two different things. You can move, which means your feet kind of need to be a little close together and knees need to be a little less bent. Or you can resist, right? If someone comes at you and you're just, oh, I'm bigger than you, so I'm just going to push with my hands and you're going to stop there. It's not ever just your hands, it's also your legs digging into the ground. And to do that effectively, you need a kind of a wider stance. But if you strengthen your legs and work on your footwork, you can kind of develop a... Uh, good uh, ability first of all a good ability to use a good grounded stance and then also use a good moving stance and also kind of have them look a little more like each other that especially if you're snitching and you're kind of top heavy you're like all the way standing up and you're backing up it's so easy to tip over or to that the seeker can lunge and, and make that pull so you want to even as you're backing up or moving to the side you want to keep your your butt in back straight bent knees bent and elbows, you know, elbows, you kind of also want them in a little bit, except when you're fully extending because elbows coming out tends to weaken the the power moving through your arms. So those are just a few tips that you can work with the whole group and then you can do individually. And just the more people that snitch, the better it is for, for your team. This is the Drill of the Week. week. This is a classic Victoria Quidditch drill. And one of the reasons it's a classic is because it works with relatively few people for a small team. So this is what we did. This is when we had seven people. We were always excited because seven people was enough to do the seven-man drill. This specifically, this is a snitch-on-pitch drill. You, it actually works really well with eight. Also, you have a referee. Uh, if you have nine, you can either start at a qualifier players or you can go two referees. Uh, And then more than that, more people than this, it doesn't really work as well. Um, But this is a great drill because basically you have two beaters and a seeker for each team, and then you have a snitch, and you just go. You put the hoops a little closer together, uh, or you can do it full size, but it often helps to put them a little closer together. And you have the beaters practice working together, have the seekers practice working with the beater, you have the snitch kind of in the middle. You can go the snitch to one arm if the snitch is doing better than the seekers, um, you know, you can have the snitch stay in place. That's always, it gives extra challenge also, gives a, the, the seekers um, more chances. Um, and uh, yeah, you've, you can do, this, this is a great thing about this drill, you run it and it wears you out and your beaters get better, your seekers get better, your snitch gets better, and then you can switch. Or right, okay, I want to beat this time, I want to seek this time, I want to chase this time. You can do it again. And you can do it again and again. And we ran this drill a whole bunch of times and it really helps with your snitch on. Now, the one downside is that true snitch on pitch play means also managing the quaffle game. And this drill teaches you a little bit, just like with King of the Hill, kind of teaches you to focus in mostly on the the seeking uh, game only, kind of ignore the quaffle game. but if that you also are separately practicing the Quaffle game, then you when you get to a full scrimmage or a full game and you've done this and you've done the other thing, it's better to put together as opposed to only having practiced the Quaffle game and then when snitch on pitch, it's, what do I do? Well, this gives you all the tools you need to work with your, your partners, your, your beater partner and your seeker, and for your seeker to kind of know how the snitch works, know how the opponent works and uh, you know, get get some teamwork going that way. Are you a seeker? A seeker after truth? I'm more of a chaser, really. So yeah, that's the episode on the snitch. I know it's not really very overly technical. Just a few thoughts to put in there. But uh, for more information, uh, the How to Play Quidditch podcast, I did an episode with Trey Riles on snitching. And then, of course, uh, The Eighth Man puts out great podcasts on how to play Quidditch as well. So feel free to check those out for more information. I'll include some links in the show notes uh, but yeah, hopefully this gives you some ideas on on how to how to include include the seeking and snitching game in your repertoire in your your team's abilities, and and I know that eventually the goal at a high level is to specialize, but specialization is for high level achievement. When you're starting out, you just want to try everything because you'll never know what you're good at until you try it and. You know, you give it a fair try. Actually, having multiple different people try and seek and see who likes it. So, uh, you know, just uh, just some thoughts to put it out there and uh, and good luck uh with your team developing your seeking and your snitching game. You Got to develop your snitching game. Oh, and one last thing I forgot to mention it. One last advantage to having really good snitches in your team you wear out the other teams. <laughs> so their seekers and their players are tired because your snitch lasted longer. <laughs> so just a little fun note for you. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Chaser After Truth. Uh, I'm Alejo Enriquez, and I hope you enjoy the show. And uh, feel for- oh, I don't uh, leave me a, a rating on iTunes or Spotify if you haven't already. Uh, do haven't got any ratings yet? So uh, check out the show there, and uh, hope that you're enjoying the show. And then I'll catch you next week. Thanks.